Welcome to the Jay and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. And you're listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che, Hurricane Cheney, and Pav, Wonder Woman, Wonder. We bring you a new weekly episode where we talk casually about some of the most relevant topics in education today. We're also associated with the Voicehead Radio team, where we host our morning radio show called The Drive. We're also teamed up with School Rubric where you can find our podcast and so much more of our work. We also host a weekly Twitter ed chat with a group of other educators. Check us out at the hashtag education never dies Wednesday, 9 30 PM Eastern. And now here we are chain Pav and the staff room podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 56 of the Staff Room Podcast. Today, we are talking about incorporating inquiry-based learning in our teaching. And this is sort of stemmed out of, you know, the beginnings of our school year. And now that the teaching of all the protocols and, uh, you know, welcoming our students and, and getting to know them has sort of died down and we've, we've gotten into the curriculum. This is something that we have been, uh, experiment, experimenting with a little bit more, diving a little bit deeper into as we begin our curriculum teaching. But before we get into this amazing topic, It might be a good idea for us to introduce ourselves. My name is Pav and I make up half, half, yes, half of the hosting team of the Staff Room Podcast. And I am joined by my co-host who is sitting next to me, but I'm not going to introduce him. He usually introduces himself. Survey says, it's the Staff Room Podcast. Really? That's all I get? That's the applause is just 10 seconds? Come on, keep that going. I'm a standing ovation. I'll give you a standing ovation. You better edit that in later. <laughs> that was fantastic. Well, I, I just self-identified as that being fantastic. But I'll way. tell you that was fantastic. I was, uh, I was watching you kind of uh, research all of your material and play a bunch of sounds. And I was like, hmm, I think I know where he's going with this, but I don't know for certain. So... That worked out really nicely. I, and I enjoyed am, that. I am Che <laughs> to Hurricane Cheney. And I make up 
4.73% of this dynamic duo. And I know this because I've done many inquiry-based projects asking Mm -hmm. people, really, how big of an influence am I on this show? And when I averaged all the responses... It's in between, you know, four and five percent. So, <laughs> so, so that's you, where I'm at. You guesstimated uh, 4.73. Yeah, I wasn't going to do the whole math. Not when it was four percent. Why bother? Like, whatever. <laughs> Fine. Good. <laughs> it was in the corner. Pavio. You know. <laughs> yeah, I do know. Like, I got the inquiry data. I am five percent of this dynamic duo, or 4.937 percent. You make me laugh, though. So that brings you up to 50 percent. <laughs> That's a big jump. That's like participation marks. You get a blue ribbon. (laughs) And oranges. And oranges. Definitely oranges. All right, I'm in and I'm excited. No, hold on. I'm really excited to be here episode 56. And I am excited to talk about 56 um, because I'm excited to be back teaching and having real I don't want to say we didn't have real content, but I feel like the content we're talking about today is stuff we have really been doing in our rooms this week, which is a connection to stuff we've done in the past, but it's been a long time since we've been in our building, and I'm really liking the vibe of this show even Mm. more than I liked it before, because I just feel like it's so much closer to my teaching than it had been for a while. You know, we when we started the podcast, it was very much reflective of the things that we were doing in our classroom at the time. And we weren't really diving into these uh, these small, I, I mean, we, we call them small. They're not small things. They're things that we were always doing, but we didn't really reflect on them as specifically as we are doing now. And I feel like this uh, this past couple of weeks, our, our podcast, podcast episodes are really concentrated because not only are we uh, discussing some of the things that we may have been doing for a really long time in our classroom, but we're incorporating a lot of our new learning into stuff that we were already doing. And it's very exciting because you're right, we haven't been teaching for a very long time. And so that fire of, you know, being with our students is really burning in us. And we're so excited to be in a classroom with students and not, you know, sitting in front of a screen. Not that there's anything wrong with that for the people who are currently doing that. There are a lot of people that are finding really, um, you know, genius ways of connecting with their students. And I'm sure that we would be doing that too, if that was the case for us. But we are currently face to face, five days a week all the time. And, and it's been fantastic to be able to use some of our new learning and combine it with our uh, teaching practices that we were using prior to COVID. And, uh, and, and the combination of these two things has produced some really electric lessons, really electric teaching in our classrooms and a lot of buzz, which we are always so excited to bring to the show every week. I had a first time experience teaching face-to-face last week. Oh, tell me about it. I had one-to-one ratio. Oh, with technology. Yeah. I've never had that before no. for an extended period of time. Yes. I've, I've had it for 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. But when you only have it for 30 minutes, it's just different. Yeah. And I know this episode is not about one-to-one ratio. 
No. And it's not about tech. But I must say, when you were talking about excitement, I said, I was, remember, I called you and said, I just had a one-to-one day. I had a one-to-one, one-to-one. I didn't know what to do. Like, I could go to the tech. I could not go to the tech. I didn't feel I had to be on the tech because I only had it for 30 minutes. It was fantastic. You know, I have to say that, uh, you know, you and I are not teaching at the same school anymore. And the school where I am at, uh, for the very first time in my entire career of teaching, I am also one-to-one this year with technology in my classroom uh, with Chromebooks. And... Um, I have to say, I feel the same thing as you. Uh, I I feel this natural inclination to to dive to the Chromebook cart all the time, but that at the same time I hesitate because it's like, am I relying too much on the technology and not bringing that um, you know that face to face that uh, the the traditional style of teaching to the students, um, how much screen time is too much, you know, are they just kind of dived into the screen and, and they're not really paying attention to what teaching is like? Are they engaged like? are they versus engaged learning? Versus learning. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, I, I, I tend to move around in my classroom quite a bit. Um, and usually when my students have Chromebooks, I try to stay in a position where I can see the screen. So like at the back of the room or, you know, usually my, my classroom doesn't have a front, right? I don't usually set up my classroom that way. But right now we have to set up our classrooms that way where there is one front of the room. And so if I'm set up at the back of the the gym, where where is my classroom right now, then I could potentially kind of keep an eye on what people are looking at but the way that things are right now I don't I don't know I'm like I'm hesitating to give that much technology to the students but it's there for me to use so it's it's kind of like this double-edged sword I talked with my kids this week about uh and I don't know if it's written down anywhere I haven't researched this per se but I was explaining to my kids simply there's there's three ways we're going to use tech we're either we're consuming Mm -hmm. um where I called it engaging, meaning maybe we're making a comment here, we're dropping a like there. And that's th- three was, are, are we creating and are we collaborating? Right. And most of the kids self-identified as being consumers. Okay. But the reason I thought about tech was it connected to inquiry um, recently in my class because I wasn't bound or unable to go there as a teaching uh, opportunity because I knew I had tech for everyone at any point and that if I wanted to do some inquiry throughout the day and I had a task kids had the availability to dive in and use it whenever and I have been so used to being so regulated with time with tech that there is very forced and often because it's so minimal I haven't I could tell you I haven't really fully embraced it because I just haven't had access to it enough to vow to sort of warrant giving it all that time like yeah. to embed too much in the tech because if you only got it 30 minutes a week it's it's tough to really fully commit to that classroom culture of it so when i was talking about the one-to-one it just gave me such comfortable because what i did in my new face-to-face routine is what i'm discovering is i'm one not used to having my class all day long so i have it all day so i've done math all day i've done science all day i've done english all day and doing it all day means I, it's not regulated to a 40-minute period. I go with the flow of the classroom. And so that flow, that easiness to run your classroom, it, there's a safety net when you know you have your tech available to you all day. Because yes. you don't have to be on the Chromebooks by 910 to 920 to give them up. Yes. And so when I sort of referenced it, that one-to-one was big for me, it was big for me because... I was able to use it right away in some inquiry tasks in, in my class. Yeah. And that sort of was one of our 
fired. So let's talk about inquiry this week. You know, I love that segue because you're right. Absolutely. Inquiry is is not something that you can always really regiment into a time uh, constraint. You cannot always say, okay, we've got 20 minutes to do some inquiry-based learning because because of that, because, you know, inquiry takes time and sometimes you don't even know what you're looking for in 20 minutes. And so having that availability, um, of the technology right at your fingertips when, when you are getting into a topic. And also I want to say that inquiry doesn't, it is not something that you put on your, your day plans. It's not something that you're like, okay, well at this time I'm going to be doing some inquiry based learning. Sometimes you can do that because you can control your inquiry based learning, uh, to that degree. And it's very, very structured, but oftentimes, and I would say most times inquiry based learning kind of comes up out of nowhere. Like today I was telling you about, about a situation today with my class, I had assumed that my class understood a particular concept very thoroughly until I started seeing a lot of blank faces. And that would have been the absolute perfect time to jump into inquiry. you know, as we were discussing afterwards, like we could have, we could have, um, really gotten the tech out and saying, okay, let's do some inquiry based learning on this concept because none of us know what it is. And I was under the assumption that we all knew what it was. And that's, that's a teachable moment right there. And, and when you have the access to the technology for that particular moment, that's a great point in time to say, now is a great time for some inquiry. And, and, you know, I, you know, just because of the time of the day was not something that I really could have, you know, gotten into. And also we didn't have that discussion until way later. And, and if I had that idea in my head, I would have done it for sure. But um, so the moral of the story is talk to me immediately. Text you immediately. Yeah. I don't do that as much as you do. <laughs> you, you had one good point. Just one. <laughs> You had multiple good points, but it reminded me uh, when I was looking at my notes from some of uh, the things I was reading was this article called Instructional Design by Christopher Papas, and he referenced that just what you referenced about what inquiry is, it's not a lesson, it's, it's not a teaching technique, it's not a practice, it's it's part of process. Yeah. Inquiry is process, yeah. and so we... It's embedded in our in our teaching. It happens in our teaching. It happens in our moment. And the key to inquiry is really it's about seeking out knowledge. It's about curiosity. It's about students just wanting to discover more. And you can't decide when that's going to be. When your students are maybe ready for that or maybe your learning opportunity is ready for that. And that brings me to the, the thing that really got us started this week is that I could probably say I haven't used inquiry enough to start mm-hmm. learning. And we were in the Twitter space and, and not arguing with people about what positivity and toxic positivity <laughs> is. Yes, when I say positivity, I don't mean toxic positivity. If I wanted to say toxic positivity, I would say toxic positivity. But there actually is no evidence on Twitter to even suggest that I don't deal with things. But if you must take anything that says like positivity and turn it into toxic positivity <laughs> to pretend that I must be ignoring everything that I've ever done because I said positivity on a tweet, you are a professional educator. <laughs> and that, everybody, was a H.A. side rant. That's right. Oh, did you see toxic positivity? No. I said positivity. Oh, that's toxic. Pardon me? You didn't need to put stop on that button. You're going to just let it go. <laughs> um, but, you know, a tweet you saw was a tweet by Noah Daniel, who we've come to, mm-hmm. to know a lot in the last year. And she's brilliant. She's brilliant. And she posted a jam board of an inquiry. And she referenced that this was her, this was the starting point. This was the entry point. Yeah. So she didn't uh, dictate the entry point. She had a, 
I, I don't recall exactly. I think it was a music-related task, but it was ultimately she said a, a guided inquiry where she had a topic or a theme, and she just let the kids go. Mm-hmm. And they posted on their jam board, and, and, and that was the starting point. That was the entry point. And I said, whoa, I, like, I'm comfortable with inquiry. I know what it is. I understand the concepts. I, I, I appreciate it that it means we're breaking down the teacher-centered uh, learning environment, that colonial-style teaching. But I was thinking, I don't use this enough to start learning opportunities. So within the week, I've, I've done it twice where, and this is where a little bit of my new situation provides me these opportunities to really change my teaching. If I sort of go on a tangent for a second, teaching the same things is good. There's value in that. But you do get, it's not even a negative rut, but you get very comfortable with your teaching techniques, even if they're high end, even if you've had great success with them. But I have found that in teaching new subjects that I've never taught before, it leaves me very open to try new things because I don't have, uh, I'm just. And, and nor should you. I mean, the teacher, as we've learned in the, in the last little while, and especially in regards to teaching math, the teacher doesn't have to be the answer key. You don't have to know everything. And, and, you know, with, with the inquiry based learning and all of, all of these new pedagogies and all of these new, they're not necessarily new ways of teaching, right? This is very much, uh, the Socratic method. It's, asking questions it's allowing the questions to guide the learning right and so the students can can easily look up this information the students can do a lot of the knowledge gathering on their own and so you know I, I think that we as teachers need to take advantage of that because it only helps our students to be able to gather all the the vast amount of information that's out there. And we have to, more than knowing the answers, we have to help them decipher the information that's out there and compartmentalize it into what's useful and what's not useful. And so it's a beautiful way to start an, a, a, a unit, a project, a lesson, you know, any type of learning. I think it's very beneficial. I think I was in my LA program that I, I really like it. And I think sometimes I get so excited to get to the high-end activities that I, I guide too much of, of the instruction early yes. on because I want to get on this path where I'm going to let them explore and be creative, but I, I, but I, but I take too much of the lead early on mm-hmm. because I want to get to not necessarily the, the exact conclusion, but I know like in my read aloud, I want to get to a photography. I want to get to a videography. I want to get to these type of components. So I do... I. I push, I don't even want to say push, but I know that I don't give out the reins for inquiry to start it. I know yeah. that I lead a little bit. And so when with these new subject matters where I wasn't totally comfortable, by the fact that I wasn't comfortable with the content actually let me really comfortable to give off the inquiry to sort of see where was their entry point? Because that was going to be my re-entry point to know where to sort of get myself comfortable with the content to know where we were going to go. Then I've had two great examples. I see you ready to talk, so I'll share my two examples uh, afterwards, and then you can push the applause button, but push it twice. (laughs) We'll push it twice. And and we'll go from there. But the example from all this conversation was that the tech gave me an opportunity, gave me an environment where I could use inquiry whenever. I was inspired by the the tweet I saw of Noah talking that her entry point to her lesson was the inquiry. I said, whoa, I'm going to start doing this. And actually, the best point for me to start doing it right away comfortably was in subject matters that I wasn't totally comfortable with and just beautiful, beautiful successes for the students and beautiful successes for me. 
Yeah. You know, what I was going to comment was that, uh, you know, you, I, you've had the benefit of being able to experience that now. Um, for me, the last couple of years of my teaching experience has been, you know, uh, being put into situations where I've never taught this subject before, or I've never taught this grade before. And so I sort of fell into inquiry accidentally because I really didn't know how to teach the many subjects that I was, you know, being a prep coverage teacher, sometimes you're thrown into subject areas, you know, like grade two drama dance. And, and although you think that that's super easy, but there are lots of different where areas within drama and dance or music or media literacy, or, you know, for a a grade level that you may not be comfortable with and, and inquiry can really take us a, a, a far way before. And, and while we're in the inquiry is, is when you finally realize this is where I'm headed with this, right? So that it buys you, it buys you as a teacher, a little bit of time, and it gives you some content to work with, to develop some further lessons, some further learning, some further, you know, conclusions to your, to your task or to your unit. And so, um, not that you need to be given additional time. I mean, we would all love some additional time, but it allows you the opportunity to drive your teaching a little bit in a different direction that you may have thought that you needed to go. Or or even if you don't know where you were going with it, it allows you to say, okay, this is what my students know. This is what they need to know. And so that's where we're going to take the learning next. That's all I wanted to say. You can go now. Hold on, hold on. I got this. I got this. So now, was that applause for me or for you? I would never applaud myself. Oh. Okay, that's a lie. Of course I would. I actually throw my own rose petals at my feet and then I scurry behind myself to pick them up and throw them down again. And if you can visualize that, you are a plus learner. I was going to say, I don't need to visualize it. I've seen it. (laughs) What's all this stuff on the floor? Oh, it's gone. Oh, wait, it's on the floor again. What's going on here? Leave me alone. Why are you walking so slow? Leave me alone. Um, So I've had two really powerful experiences this week doing inquiry learning. And the first one was, you know, we were talking about... um, Orange shirt awareness and what it was all about. And my students, you know what, they're a very diverse class, but it wasn't something they had a lot of expertise in. And I started, and then this one, I didn't start completely with inquiry. I started a little bit of conversation and I could just see, you know, that glazed look. You feel the room, that vibe, the room. The, the, the students, they weren't in a spot to absorb what I was going to say about why we're wearing an orange shirt today, talking about the residential schools. And so I prompted and we played a video you know a little a good introductory video on what it might be but again it was glazed it was a glazed overlook just not not absorbing I said okay I've got I gotta fire this up I gotta freshen this up and I, I it was right after of course this this Noah tweet so I said it was fresh in my mind I knew I wanted to get there but again it was the same idea of maybe starting thinking I had to prepare people for inquiry rather than just letting it go just letting off those reins and so I quickly diverted and I just said let's let's grab our devices we have them let's start looking up residential schools. Let's start looking at orange shirts. I said, but we know what I want you to find. I want you to find a quote, a statement that's just going to fire you up. It's going to fire me up. Find something that's poignant. Find something that really gets your attention. And, and then I just said, and then go. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the quotes they started to find and come up with. And then because they had found these powerful quotes and we posted them on the, uh, the wall. And then I said, all right, let's go up, find a quote on this space that fires you up. So you were no longer, you one, you found your own quote. We put it in a shared space. And then I got everyone to sort of circulate through, pick a quote that resonates with you. And then we looked it up and then we started to explore. I said, all right, so now that we have this great quote, why is it meaningful? Why is it powerful? Let's find some context. Let's find who's telling this story. And then we started to get into this whole continuation of this sort of who's telling the story, the culturally responsive pedagogies. Where are all the angles coming from? Where are the stories coming from? And all of a sudden, my talk about the orange t-shirt, the video, which would have been okay-ish, it turned, the inquiry turned this into something uh, fantastic because it was their quotes they found. And, you know, a 13 or 14-year-old, they, they're not going to find a bland quote. They do want to find something of pertinent, of value. So they were talking about all the critical issues and the abuse and and the, the public apologies and all the things that had gone on and the closures. And they were such poignant quotes. There was no vague generalities. I didn't have to go to the five students and say, oh, that's too vague. That's too vague. No, 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 no. They, they were explicit. They were great mm-hmm. quotes. And the lesson just exploded from there. Yeah. And, and I remember when you told me about this uh, earlier in the week, I was so excited about it. I thought, this is fantastic. I love this idea. And you shared that lesson with me. And we share a lot of resources on the daily, um, you know, because, I mean, whatever you're doing in your class might be useful to me. And I do teach a grade level that is two, two grades lower than yours. I teach grade six predominantly. I have a six-seven split, and you teach grade eight. And um, and so, you know, I, I, I figure that most of the learning that you're doing in your class should be should be applicable to my students as well. And and I did take, think to myself, I, I want to try this with my class as well. And my experience was a little bit different than yours. And it made me think about something, something that we dis- discussed a little while ago, that, um, you know, my students weren't necessarily ready for this type of inquiry. And uh, it, it made us think about how, how to scaffold the learning that comes with inquiry-based learning. Like, I mean, my class may not have had very much experience in the past with inquiry, right? I mean, the class that I have might have had a lot of experience with direct teaching or, you know, more teacher-led discussions or, you know, more uh, explicit teaching or, you know, things that are not as as open-ended as inquiry-based learning. And so my experience was a little bit discombobulated, I would say. It was a little bit all over the place and the students didn't know what to do and they didn't know what they were looking for. And, you know, we'd have to talk about what makes a quote, what is, a, what is the difference between a phrase and a paraphrasing and a, and a quote. So we had a lot of different qu- conversations. And so it made me think that there are some things things that we need to have in place before we can start inquiry-based learning. Um, And there are some, uh, uh, you know, obvious things like we need to have access to technology, which we've talked a little bit about, but we need to talk a little bit about how you go about finding information and where are some good resources to go look for information and what is credible and what is not credible. And what do you believe versus not believe is a blog, a good place to go look for some information when you're, when you're doing some inquiry-based learning. And then when you get into things like, well, I found this on somebody's blog, or I found it on Wikipedia, or whatever, we have to have some critical conversations about what is going to be valuable information. And how do we pick through the information to see what is actually true, what is fact, and what might be somebody's opinion. So there were a lot, there were a lot of conversations that kind of stemmed from 
my teaching of the very same lesson. And it really made me realize that there is some, uh, some scaffolding that is necessary for inquiry-based learning that not all of our students have access to or have experience with. And so we do have to kind of tailor back a little bit and have that conversation with our students to begin as well. So um, I made the mistake of assuming that everybody was on the same page in my classroom, which they were not. And these are new students to me uh, I'm as I'm at a new school. And so it made me really reflect on my own teaching practice and say, okay, I need to step back a little bit and go and, and do a little bit of scaffolding before we can begin this process. There's a lot of components to that. If I unpack that, there's, you're right. We can't just assume that our students are always in a position or their entry point to inquiry is that they're going to fly with investigation and curiosity. It might be overwhelming to, to make that assumption. You made that connection with tech, and it, it reminded me of a few things, that not all our households and families and students have the tech available. Now, curiosity is manifested in many different ways, but sort of that knowledge-based um, inquiry where I'm going to go, not necessarily experience-based inquiry, like if I'm looking up knowledge and curiosity and looking at those things, there's a lot of our students that don't necessarily don't have those just experiences from home where they bring it to school so it's second nature. When they don't have devices at home and then you're telling them you need to be inquisitive on a device, this is a whole new platform, which is different than, say, maybe going outside and experimenting with rocks or sticks or throwing them or making uh, weapons. Like there, There's exploration all over the place. Cur- mm-hmm. The idea that kids are curious, that this is nothing new, right. that, that you give them space and environments that they're used to, I'm sure they're exceptionally curious. Um, I think of my own kids. I don't think of them as being particularly good on their devices, but they're very inquiry based when it comes to cooking. Mm-hmm. Like they will, they will, they will t- dabble with anything to make anything work in the kitchen. They are explorative, and I'm not parent centered on that one. They can just go and they can cook. So I think a lot of our kids are very good with inquiry in a variety, but in their space where they are comfortable and they they explore with the the items that they have in hand. But if you have a student population that doesn't have devices at home all the time readily it's you're right you can't expect them all of a sudden that i give them a chromebook that they're going to know how to be inquisitive in that platform and then i can even expand beyond this is why sort of the bring your own device argument has such value because kids are going to be much more comfortable with the device they have to know there's no roadblocks on the device. Right, but that's under the assumption that they have. Like, I mean, yes. if this is students that have devices, right? And, I, and I'm going into a, a classroom. And I mean, they are in grade six. So, you know, many of them don't have devices. Actually, hardly any of them do. And so that's something that we have to understand as well as not all of them have a device that they can use. There's certainly an equity issue yeah. to be cognizant of before. That it's not simply, well, you're not teaching with these great pedagogies. Well, there's, there's other factors. It's not simply drop the great pedagogy and you're going to get these outcomes right right exactly it's it's time for um it's time for three enlightened minutes so i can gather my thoughts okay and wrap this up should we jump to some three enlightened minutes today i you know i i wish you could but yeah you could you know set set it up and uh Che, the pirate teacher, will come in and give his three enlightened minutes and then we'll jump back and i'll and we'll try to wrap this episode up on Inquiry, maybe just fine-tune what we mean by inquiry learning. We've done some reading, the types of inquiry that are available, and really what we're trying to get out of this episode, which is now me going to, you know, what we're going to do after the first and three light minutes. So why don't you introduce Che, the pirate teacher, for our three 
enlightened minutes. All right. So today we are talking to Che Cheney, and he is. There be a lot of teaching here on this here ship, matey. You didn't even let me finish. There is a pirate. We don't wait around. We got to take action. Are you kids there? Open your books over there, and we start page ten. And here's Che Cheney with our three enlightened minutes. Are we be taking our swords out for some inquiry learning, kiddies? And we be walking the plank. And we don't actually have a three enlightened minutes guest, so that is our three enlightened minutes with. Pirate teacher Jay <laughs> talking about inquiry-based sword learning here on the Staff Room Podcast. I might need a break just to wipe those tears off of my face. Or I might have a cloth over here. <laughs> I don't need your pirate cloth. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> and so, yeah, we were mixing it up. We don't have a three enlightened minutes this guest. So, of course, the conversation became not so much that we didn't have a guest this week. It's like... What are we going to do without the break? We need the break. I need that break. To it's do- usually when I go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's actually when we, we converse to say, yeah. are, are we on the right page? Because we don't rehearse a lot. We do a lot of our own independent inquiry. We'll, we'll read articles, but we don't always share each other what articles we've read. And then we have the conversation. And then during the three enlightened minutes, we say, we got three minutes. Right. Don't, don't tell me it's not <laughs> really three minutes. It's three minutes. And we'll say, are we on the right page? Where are we going to come back when we come back? What's going to be our swag bag? And then we didn't have one. And we're like, well, what did you do? I said, nah, <laughs> man, I got this. Do <laughs> three enlightenment is like a pirate. <laughs> and so we're back. <laughs> we're back. Oh, my God. All right. Listen, you get, uh, listen. I will take over from here. Yes, please. I need to compose myself. Fires were up at dawn. <laughs> Ish. And then, all right, don't worry. I'll stop now. Okay. So we've had this great conversation about inquiry uh, learning, and and there's so many different types. But we're really talking about open and a little bit. I would say we've we were advocating for that. Open inquiry to start lessons, to start tasks is a great entry point for students, a good entry point for you to really see where we're at, to know how you want to sort of guide instruction and learning opportunities. There are many different types of inquiry learning, like those aren't the only two, but we would say, but we're really talking about open inquiry, a little bit of guided if you need it. Yeah. Um, I would highlight my, my next example. When I took my, my orange shirt uh, example, I followed up and I was teaching science for the first time in 20 years. And so I texted you, what unit did you start with in grade eight? And you said, you know, let's start with cells. I said, perfect. Let's start with cells. What do I know about cells? Nothing. Like nothing. <laughs> you know mitochondria. No, I didn't. They're the powerhouse I, of I, the cell. I didn't. I, I'm glad I watched the Bill Nye Science Guy video or I had no idea. Cells are just like bricks, but they're different. Okay, that's all I needed. Um, and so we started with... Um, the inquiry. But I had done the orange shirt early in the week, so I didn't want to just keep it so vague and say, find me what you know. So we said, okay, let's find uh, a researcher or a scientist connected to cell research. But then I, And then I guided it a little bit, and I said, but let's have some themes. Let's check our lens. Let's check our diversity. And I said, I bet if we look up Google, if we Google search cells, and I didn't know because I hadn't done it yet, I said, I th- I'm pretty sure we're going to find a bunch of white men. 
Mm-hmm. Let's try and change the story. Let's try and change the narrative. Whose story are we missing? And so we, I gave a few conversations. I said, maybe it's opening up a cell research university. I said, broaden your idea of, of cell research beyond just the topic of cell research. I said, and let's try to, I call it, let's check our lens. Whose story are we telling? Mm-hmm. Do we have that diversity? And so the kids were all in on this. Because yeah. of course, our communities are both exceptionally diverse. This is their language. They they yeah. don't, they don't they want to hear that as a teacher, you're advocating and being an ally for them to to really challenge those norms. Like they're looking for you to light their fire yeah. to challenge it. Yeah. Um, not that they're, they don't need me to light their fire, but I think they build a little bit of comfortableness when they know their teacher's not going to... Well, because, they, because they've gotten really used to expecting their teachers just to be teaching the, uh, the same thing that, that, you know, that they expect, Yeah. right? And so when they, when they come across a teacher that says, well, we don't want to just celebrate the people who have always been celebrated, let's celebrate the people who have been missed. Yeah. And so, you know, even when you were telling that story, I got really excited. I was like, oh, tell me, tell me what happened next, because... And, the, I can I completely imagine that the students were excited about it. Students found, and they were really excited to show me who they found, mm-hmm. what was their background, what mm-hmm. was their cultural identity. It was fantastic. So they found the connection to sell, which I think they would have. Right. But the excitement level to be to have that little bit of extra guided or other themes to look for, and a theme of such importance. And inquiry learning really does come down to uh, culturally responsive teaching because it's it is student-centered, student-driven. Mm-hmm. You're looking at their lens. So it's part of that package. It's it's part of SEL teaching. Yeah. It's social-emotional learning, in, in this particular case, embedded into science. We're talking about cells, but I want to hear other people's stories. I want you to break the mold. I don't want you to take the first three Google images you find. Right. Let's find that diversity. And it was so rich and it was so powerful, not because I found it rich, because I knew how excited they were to tell me who they found, that it there was a that ex- the curiosity to find something Someone beyond the first three Google images right. uh, was fantastic. And, and, and you know what else is very fantastic is the fact that they would have found information that was not that was not necessarily part of that uh, that right in front of you in your face curriculum that has to do with cells. They probably would have found, like you said, you know, find somebody who who started a program for cell research out in some university out, you know, on the other side of the world. So they would have found some information that they would normally not have come across within that cells unit. Right. So it was a little bit out of out of the realm of what they would have been learning. And that gets them a little bit excited as well, because it's not what you should have been learning. Right. So that little bit of rebellion, it's that little taste of rebellion of I'm I'm learning about something that I wasn't supposed to. Or I'm learning about something that I probably would have learned when I was in high school or in university, maybe even, you know, doing cell biology research and, you know, things like that. So. So, you know, giving them the opportunity to learn something that's not in the grade eight curriculum or in the grade six curriculum, um, but is beyond them makes them feel a little bit, uh, you know, like they, uh, they deserve a little bit more. And so it makes them feel special, I think. I agree. Yeah. And they gave themselves that knowledge, which is even, even better. That's right. I, I didn't, I didn't give much and I couldn't give much. It was cells. <laughs> They're bricks. But different, according to Bill Nye. We watched it twice. But then we went back and we rewatched the video. And, and it was just, 
not rewatch. We watched the video, and then I said rewatch because on the YouTube spot where I found it, it was like thirty minutes. I was like, okay, well, we only got like twenty minutes left, but it was actually the video replayed twice. Oh, so as we were watching it the second time, I was like, oh, we've seen this twice. But I, I just gauged the room. I was like, does the room notice? Yeah, because this would have been the. This is like that's that that's my test all of a sudden. Right. And this, Mr. Cheney, we've seen this. We've seen this, Mr. Cheney. It's a brick. I got it. Come on, let's go. <laughs> it was perfect. So that inquiry was one because it was new subject matter for me. It was really easy to sort of explore new teaching pedagogies or break away from um, that inquiry, which I know I've always done. But I think in reflection, I've always guided. Yeah. a little bit more first and yeah. haven't been f- completely open. And then with that open inquiry this time, just, and then attaching it to sort of that culturally responsive lens, that anti-racist lens really added such poignant value um, to the, the conversations and to what our students were looking for, that it was, it just enriched the entire learning experience and they were great entry points to the learning mm-hmm. and great entry points for me. Like that, that, that became my diagnostic. Yeah. I saw where you were at. I saw where your passions were. I saw something that had your interest that I knew I could propel forward with some learning opportunities. So it was powerful, great, great learning experiences for students and myself. Yeah. You know what I really like about that is that it gave students uh, an idea of what learning looks like when nobody knows what they're talking about. I mean, you came into teaching science and you probably let them know that you haven't taught science in a long time because that vulnerability vulnerability goes a long way with with the students. And so when you were learning together, I feel like it opens up the doors for inquiry based learning a little bit more so because you don't know you don't know what you're going to find out and and you put yourself in the shoes inadvertently you put yourself in the shoes of the students very more so because when you don't know the content very thoroughly um it, you you're open to receiving information from any in which way whereas when you're very very comfortable with what you know and that's what you're going to teach you're very uh you know how you have that tunnel vision and you know where you're where you want to go and you know the direction that you're going I think indirectly you command more. You command more, of course. And then you also... Even um, with the best intentions, you, well, you just yes. take a more authoritative role. Absolutely. And and you guide your students towards what you want them to learn. Whereas with inquiry-based learning, you're allowing them to explore so much that you come out of that learning so much as well. I think our YouTube, the, the TED Talk with Dan Finkel on uh, math being the answer key, mm-hmm. and our kids really, uh, students really dove into that and really bought into that. And I've really... Pr- preach that and we've made a beautiful display board on that and we've always fixated on the answer key so i'm very good at saying yes and everyone's very good at understanding that that doesn't mean you're right and it doesn't mean that i know if you're right right yes let's keep going let's keep playing let's keep exploring yeah exactly are we ready for a little bit of a wrap-up sure yeah absolutely we've been talking about inquiry learning and really specifically we've been talking about uh, entry points starting points and um, we were inspired by stuff we saw on Twitter, and we dove right in, and we 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 fixated on open inquiry with a little bit of guided inquiry, and we've had just some great experiences. And understanding that inquiry is really about student-centered learning. It's about seeking out knowledge. It's about curiosity. It's about investigation, experiencing, playing. 
Mm-hmm. And, and those are the foundations. And so it's, it breaks away from the colonial framework of teaching. Yeah. And I do want to clarify one thing. Um, you know, before all of this, we were, we were both doing inquiry in different ways in our classrooms. It's not to say that we weren't doing it all. I think that, you know, being a little bit more aware of it, um, as seeing how it's done in different places and in different ways, the access to technology and how you can embed the technology in your inquiry based learning makes us a little bit more intentional with how we deliver it in our classrooms, which is why we're speaking about it in a little bit of a different way than we would have maybe a year ago or two years ago. It reminds me of almost like the flipped classroom. It's not like we're doing different things. We're just, we're, we're changing where it takes place right. in our teaching pedagogies. Yeah. Where I've, I know I've been about inquiry, but it's always, I've always guided too much right. beforehand. Right, exactly. And I've really so. experimented with really open inquiry Right. As a starting point, as as the entry point, and as a diagnostic for me to see where we are to start. And and I think a little bit backwards from your experience, I've always been very open with inquiry in my classrooms, and now I feel like I have to tailor it a little bit more, and I have to scaffold a lot more because my students don't have the experience with inquiry as much as I you know might have experienced uh, in an older grade or in a different school. So uh, so I feel like a little bit like I have to really be a little bit more intentional with the questions that I'm asking in my classroom and and see where my students are at. So we're tailoring as we go. And I think the reflection that we're having and the discussion that we're having really helps us to be able to hone those skills and to make them better for next time and also learn from our experiences as well. Summarize that very nicely. Oh, thank you very I much. I wonder what pirate teacher Mr. Cheney oh would God, have to don't say do it. about don't this. Don't do it. I've done it once, and if you wanted to hear it again, you've rewound. Yeah, you go back to, what was it, about the 28-minute mark. Err. <laughs> um, another great conversation, another great way to end the week, reflecting on our teaching practice, because ultimately, we just reflected on three activities, four activities we've done this week in our class. Absolutely. And had this reflection, and then we know what sort of worked or what didn't work, and how we want to mo- modify it and tailor it for for... For next week and the weeks beyond, but I yeah. think we just we leave off very comfortably trying to embed more open inquiry in our teaching as starting points, but also being aware that that's not always going to work. That there, there's you have to read your room, and you, you there's only one place I'm an expert in my space, yeah, and that means I'm not an expert in the of what's going on in the room down down because like though every student changes, every dynamic exactly. changes. There's the environment layers. is different. Yep. Massive complexities. Yeah, and and it leaves us very excited to try things in our space for for the next time, for yeah. Monday. Yeah. yeah. So it's not to say you got to do open inquiry and then you're going to get great results. You read your class, you read your sense, you, you figure out what's going on, what that dam- dynamic works, and you do tailor your inquiry mm-hmm. um, to sort of meet those needs. But we understand that that inquiry is really about student agency. Yeah. This is student agency. This is student agency. S- student ownership, curiosity, yeah. uh, and play. Yeah. Exactly. And that makes the biggest difference in students' learning and students' lives. So that's the most important part. Think we should wrap this up? I think so. Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Let me reach over on this board and push a button. All right. Got the right one, I think. So let's remember to inspire. Don't require. Always, always be a humble servant. And education never, never dies. dies.
You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Jay and Pav. Written, performed, and produced by Jay Cheney and Pav Wander in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Jay and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also, check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Jay and Pav next week because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.